Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Well, good morning. How are we doing today? Hey, before we go any further, can we just thank the worship team and Christine and Janelle for leading us this morning? Yeah, just, oh, those girls can sing. It's awesome. And um, yeah, it, it's Man Weekend. Um, I went up to Man Weekend, and um, it was a little out of my comfort zone, but I'm sure you can tell that by everything about me, that I'm not the, uh, I'm a gatherer, not a hunter. I mean, I'm wearing capri pants, for heaven's sake, this morning. But um, it, was, it was awesome to go up and be with the guys, um, just to be able to connect. But uh, when we talked about, like, is anybody going to come home to preach, I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Like carpet, air conditioning, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. So um, I'm, I'm grateful to be back because so, I'm not damp or humid at this moment. Um, but I'm uh, just grateful that, that you guys are here this morning. Uh, thanks for tuning in online. And uh, if you're just joining us today um, in this series, this is week three of what we're calling a flourishing church. And the, uh, the whole idea behind it is 11 verses in the book of Jeremiah, and it's 4 through 14, okay? And that's what we're going to be going through today. We're continuing that series. And um, to bring you up to speed, God's chosen people, the Israelites, because of their lack of obedience, have been taken captive and exiled to the kingdom of Babylon, where King Nebuchadnezzar is in charge of them, okay? So about 20,000 Israelites make this journey over to Babylon, and they are humiliated when they are brought into the city. They're stripped of their clothes, they're bound, and they're, they walk in um, just to be on display for everybody to see. So in reality, these people kind of experience a nightmare um, that they never expected to experience. They saw loved ones, um, regardless of age, put to death or die of starvation, and just anything horrific that you can think of, that's the reality of where the Israelites, God's chosen people, find themselves. And in verse 7... It says, and this is where we get this series from, it says, Seek the welfare or the flourishing of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So basically, go be a blessing to the people that just totally ruined your lives. Does that sound cool? How difficult would that be? These people just experience their worst nightmare, and then all of a sudden God gives them a charge to go bless these people? Here's the thing we need to realize about God before we get into anything, that just because you find yourself in a filthy situation does not mean that God does not want to continue working in and through you to accomplish his kingdom mission, okay? Does that make sense? For these people, they could have wallowed in their self-pity. It would have been very hard, very difficult to transition in this time, but God says, no, I still got work for you to do. I still got something going on that's bigger than you, and I need you to trust me. So God's heart is not for them just, just to survive, but he wants them to thrive. It's not a waiting game for the season to be over, which ends up being 70 years that they have to find themselves in captivity. He says, this is your home, whether you want it to be or not. So get comfortable. Bless these people. Pray for the prosperity of these people. Pray for the prosperity of this kingdom, because if they prosper, you prosper. God doesn't quit working regardless of our good or bad situation. So let me read 4 through 14 just to bring you up to speed and remind you if you're new uh, in person or joining us online. 
Uh, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find yours. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name, and I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. And then Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know this one. How many of you knew the actual context of this verse? Before we go any further, it's a lot different when you actually know the context, okay? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile." We're not going to be focusing on all that. We're going to be focusing on verse 5 today, okay? And it says, build houses and live in them, plant gardens, and eat produce. So in this kingdom of exile where you were complete outcasts, I want you to get set up shop. I want you to get comfortable, all right? How does this relate to us in 2022 in Scottsdale, Arizona? We're exiles, I've said multiple times from this, this position that this is not our home. We are citizens of heaven first and foremost, and God has a charge to us as the body of Christ, as the church, to set up shop, to get comfortable, because God has a purpose and a plan for each and every single one of us, for our church. Our church is to partner in God's mission, right? We're exiles here. So build houses, live in them, plant gardens, and eat their produce. So what can we take from those, like, 10, 15 words, build houses, live in them, make things grow and eat them. Well, that's what we're going well, to talk about today, okay? Um, God wants these people to thrive so bad, not just survive. And that is such a, a difficult heart condition, is that we, when God wants us to go and be our best, to do our best, to thrive in the situations he puts us in, and why? Why does he want us to be at our best, okay? The only way we're at our best is when we fully submit to the Lord. And why is that? Because God established life. God established everything. God knows more than you. God knows more than me. He knows how his creation can be fulfilled, okay? I love it because he gives us these parameters, these laws to live by, but they're, they're 110% protective. They're not prohibitive, they're to put us in a position for success, to thrive under his design, under his umbrella of love, mercy, and grace. So he gives the Israelites and us a way to have success in the middle of being in exile, a way to thrive, not just survive. The way we thrive is to walk in the ways of God. And that's what the sermon is this morning. We want to be a church that walks in God's ways. But what does that actually mean, okay? But when I ask the question, or when I say thrive versus survive, that's what I want you to think about before I go into prayer. When you think about your daily life, do you feel like you're living your best life? And not what you post on Instagram, the fake life, but from the second you get up to the second you go to bed, do you feel like you're thriving? Or do you feel like you're just getting by? And I'm sure there's seasons of both, but when in, in an, like a general per perspective, do you feel that you are thriving through life or do you just feel like you're getting by? All right, I wanna pray this morning. 
And then I want to I dive into this. Lord, I thank you for this time. Um, God, there's so much to unpack this morning, so I pray for clarity um, for myself. Jesus, I don't, want, I don't want any word of mine to come out. I only want your words to come out because that's what, that's what transforms us, Jesus. So, God, I pray that your words rest on our heart and um, any of mine you take far away from here. And Jesus, as Paige prayed and as I always pray, let us be different people that walk out of the building this morning. We don't want to be the same. We want to be transformed by your word, by your love, and that you would get all the glory, God. Um, you're good, and all God's people said... So if I were to sit down with each and every one of you and I were to say, what does it mean for you to walk in God's ways? Or if I just asked you to raise your hand right now, I'm sure I'd get as many different answers as there are people in here, but I feel like they'd all kind of be under the same kind of uh, answer. Like, uh, walking in God's ways is obeying God's word. It's doing the Christian things. It's being plugged into a church. It's uh, reading my Bible. It's, it's praying to God. It's worshiping corporately, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And those are all part of walking in God's ways. But for the, the Israelites and what God is referring to, we have to go back to Father Abraham. Okay? Now, if you don't know who Father Abraham is, he was a good man and he had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. And I'm one of them. And so are you. And then this part of the song, I feel like the writers just got lazy because it's just like, what do we write next? Let's just praise the Lord. Okay. Anyway, I digress. This is not a stand-up show. Okay. But we have to go back to the father of our faith, Abraham. And through him, we're going to be able to see what walking in God's ways is and ultimately what walking in God's ways isn't. Because you have to go back to the initial covenant with Abraham that he says, hey, Leave your homeland, follow me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you, and those who bless you, I'll bless, and those who curse you, I will curse. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. But as the story goes on and God starts to establish this covenant with Abraham, he says a couple things that still impact the Israelites going back to their forefather, Abraham. And by, through Abraham, through his obedience, all nations would receive God's blessing. I think we forget that so often. We, we kind of look at other, like, people as enemies rather than having the vantage point of, of kingdom, kingdom living, that God, God's hope is that every tribe, tongue, and nation will be before the throne, before the Lamb one day. So as we go throughout our lives, it's so easy to look at, look at kingdoms and all these people around the world as our enemies rather than, man, those are, those are children of God just like us, and God wants to bless the nation so that everybody can be before the throne, before the Lamb, one day in heaven. Okay, so how would the nations receive blessing? And it's all answered in Genesis 18, verse 19. And it says this, I've chosen him, and he's talking about Abraham here, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he promised him, which is the blessing of the nations. Okay, Chosen him. There's three, three theological themes here to look at for those of you who love theology. And we're not going to get into them, but they're the three that stand out. Okay, there's election, God's choosing of Abraham. All right, there is ethics, the moral demand on, on the community of Abraham, which continues in us to do righteousness and justice. And then the mission, God's overall mission is to bring the blessing to the nations. So how are all the nations going to be blessed by Abraham? Only by trusting and obeying the Lord. And what he says. So that, that rings true for us today. How are the nations going to be blessed? Only by trusting and obeying the Lord. The only way we can truly be on a mission is by faith in 
and practical obedience to God and walking in these ways that he talks about, okay? The, the only way the blessing comes to the nations is through our obedience, the, the exact same way that Abraham first obeys God. So God gives the example to Abraham to raise his children in the ways that they should go, and then after that, they're going to have kids, pass it on, pass it on, generations come, generations go, pass it on, continue to teach and preach the word of God and establish the ways of God in your household. They're supposed to be taught and reinforced through generations, okay? All of Abraham's descendants were and are to be taught in the way of the Lord by doing what God told Abraham to do, practice righteousness and justice, which we'll get into a little bit, okay? It's not just an ancient command. It follows through with us. If we are in Christ, we are also in Abraham. We're under that same covenant, that same promise. We inherit the promises and the responsibility. If we get the blessings, we get the mission too. We get the mission too to bring that to the nations, okay? So our mission to walk in the ways of God means to live by the ethical standards that are God's ways so God can fulfill the Abrahamic promise to bless the nations, okay? It's a lot of content today, so stay with me. So that's what it means to walk in God's ways. What does it mean to be the opposite? Because when God is having this conversation with Abraham where he's about to tell him that he's going to have his son Isaac in his old age, there's another situation going on in Abraham's life because there is a very sinful city by the name of Sodom and Gomorrah, which is a very stark contrast to the ways of God. Okay, So in this story that we're looking at, God is displaying blessing upon one man and one kingdom, which is his kingdom, but then he's going to he's going to pour out his justice on another kingdom. And I think this is so interesting because, like I said before, that regardless of what situation is going on around us or even in our, in our lives, if there's judgment or whatever it is or difficulty, it doesn't mean that God doesn't continue to pour out his blessings. It doesn't mean that God stops working. What's this tell us? We're, st- we're still called to be set apart like Abraham in a setting of Sodom. Okay, and that's what's happening to the Israelites in Babylon. They're in this very sinful city, but yet God wants them to walk in his ways to be set apart and establish his kingdom. So living opposite from the ways of God is found in Sodom, and the scripture, there's scriptures that reference Sodom-like behavior from different time periods and different places. Sodom in its simplest form is a place of human wickedness that will experience the judgment of God. Okay, there's a lot of sin going on there. And why is God going to judge them? What is going on in the story that makes God want to step in and intervene? Well, Genesis 18 to 20 says there's an outcry. There's an outcry, cry out to God to intervene, to help in a horrific situation, okay? In these Sodom-type cities or these Sodom-type kingdoms, there's, there's a, a consistency with an outcry for God to intervene. So those who were oppressed or being treated poorly, they would cry out. It was the Israelites in slavery psalmist that David used to call on God in regard to unjust treatment, and one of the worst uses for all of the outcry in Scripture is when women were being raped. So the issue in Sodom was so bad that people were crying out against their oppressors for the oppression that was going on, okay? It was a city of perversion, violent sexual immorality, idolatry, social injustices, etc., okay? The prophet Isaiah Looking at other Sodom-like communities, the prophet Isaiah compared Jerusalem in his day to Sodom and Gomorrah because of bloodshed, corruption, injustices, and also points to God's future judgment in Babylon. Ezekiel compared the kingdom of Judah 
with Sodom because it was arrogant, it was focused on wealth and greedy, it neglected the needy, it was prideful, it was gluttonous and self-serving and complacent, okay? To me, that's kind of the kingdom we live in right now. Let me read that again, okay? It was arrogant, it focused on wealth and greed, it neglected the needy, it was prideful, it was gluttonous and self-serving and complacent, okay? Through an Old Testament lens, Sodom is used as kind of a barometer to show these people are not walking in the ways of God. Okay, does that make sense? So we were able to see what a kingdom is like that lives contrary to God's ways. If you go to the New Testament, okay, Abraham is called to be able to, uh, to train people in the way they should go and walk in God's ways. If you fast forward to the New Testament, Paul continued this exact same ministry, and he did it by this, and it's a lot like how we operate in church. He created communities where people grew in their faith and obedience, and when they, when they weren't working things out in the ways of God, he would write letters to them to correct their behavior and to, and to talk about the art is, heart issues they were dealing with. Okay, The result that these churches became communities that were contrast and lived life differently than the Sodom communities that they found themselves in, okay? So when you think about church culture in today's world, would you say that we stand out a lot or that our language and our posture is very similar? I tend to think the latter, that God calls us to a higher standard. God calls us to be set apart in our, in our Babylons, but yet he calls us to step in and help them flourish, in whatever ways that looks like, okay? So Paul's mission was not just evangelistic, but it was ethical to teach these new communities of an external morality in the ways of God by understanding their inward reality, okay? And we're called to do the same by doing righteousness and justice. And why? Why do this? So that way, God can bless the nations, that's still God's heart is to continue to bring blessing to the nations, okay? When you train a child in the way they should go, and they, walk, they grow up, and they teach their children in the way they should go, they're walking in God, God's ways to bring blessing to the nations, okay? So while God is on his way to execute judgment over Sodom and Gomorrah, he stops for a little lunch, all right? He starts to hang out with Sarah and Abraham, and he tells them that he's going to give them a child in their old age. Sarah thinks it's hilarious. She even laughs. that They end up calling their child Isaac, which, which means laughter. Okay? But through this encounter, God sets his mission into motion through the son that they will have. So because of Isaac's birth and God training him in the way they should go, the generations continue to come and go, and they're being trained and trained, and the message and the, the, the hope of God is continued to spread throughout generations. So in a large scope... Every Old Testament and New Testament story all the way up to the moment that you gave your life to Jesus Christ to, to make him your Lord and Savior is God keeping his promise to Abraham that the nations will be blessed, okay? So if you are a recipient of the blessing of Abraham, you're called to continue that mission to reach those who have not been touched by it. So when you think about how you go through your daily life, okay, God has people that he's put in your path to bring out the beauty and the reality of who they are, so that they can be blessed, be part of the blessing of the nations. But do you feel that you are, you are stepping into the mission work that God has for you each and every day? Okay, so what does this look like for us to be in the way of the Lord? It's to do righteousness and justice. What does it mean to do righteousness and justice? Well, for the Israelites, they had a different way of referring it to 
rather than walking in God's ways, it was rocking, walking in Yahweh's ways. Okay? Yahweh is the name that when Moses is standing on the mountain and he goes back down, he asks God, hey, who should I say sent me? And God says, I am, but the actual translation is Yahweh. And here's something I learned in college, and I think it's kind of cool. But um, Yahweh, it's Y-H-W-H, and really it's, it's the, the, the sound of breath. So when you inhale, it's like the Yah, and when you exhale, it's like way. So I know you guys are all trying it right now, just to yourself. But I think what's so cool about it is, like when you think about when a baby's born and they take their first breath, the first words out of their mouth, even though they're not like through the, the voice box, is actually God himself, Yahweh. I think that's so cool. So for them, it was keeping the ways of Yahweh or walking in the ways of Yahweh. And what that meant was that there's a stark contrast to walking in Yahweh's ways to the, <laughs> Yahweh's ways, sorry, against the world's ways keeping the ways of Yahweh's. And there's two images that come to mind when what they're referring to when walking in God's ways. The first one is following somebody else's path, literally walking behind them and wherever they step, you step, whatever they do, you do. It's monkey see, monkey do, okay? That's the first thing we see for following in, in, in God's ways, all right? Paul even tells the church at Corinth to follow him as he follows Christ to be an example of what it looks like to walk the ways of, uh, ways of God. And if I do this, if I walk that way, I'm going to reflect God in his character. The other way we can look at this is it's following a path based on instruction. How many of you guys use GPS in your car? Okay, it's following that path to know how to get to the destination, that's the other way to look at it. There's the physical act of following, but then there's the, also the act of just knowing the directions and getting there, okay? Um, this, once again, you can look at this as more obeying God's commands, but this also reflects God and his character. In Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13, it says, And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you this day for your own good. To walk in the ways of the Lord is to do for others and to treat others the way God would treat them. And I know that is so fundamental and that is so simple to say, but how difficult is that to treat people that you come in contact with the way God would. I mean, it's the, it's the old school, what would Jesus do? It's a great theory, but hey, I'll wear the bracelet as long as I really don't have to change the way I live. If I, I really don't have to interact with those people, if I really don't have to love my enemies, I'll just pray for them behind closed doors, right? It's to do for others what God wishes for them. Or in the context of the Israelites in exile, to do for them what, to do for these people that, that they're trapped in exile with, to treat them the way God treated the Israelites. And that's, think about that. Like you, you saw these people murder your family and now you're supposed to go bless them and love them, okay? But that, that's God's heart. That's God's heart. Christ died for me while I was still a sinner. Christ died for you while you were still a sinner. Go and love people the same way. Go and serve people the same way. If you know God and have had a God experience and you continue to experience God, why would you keep that to yourself? And I'm not just talking, I'm not talking about evangelism. I'm talking about just walking in God's ways, seeking justice, righteousness, 
extending mercy, grace, forgiveness. I want every person I come in contact with to experience God the way that I have. And I'm so bad at it. So bad at it. Because I'll, I'll admit, I'm, I'm a sinful human being. I get it wrong all the time. But that's God's heart. Is that the, the Jesus you experience, that other people would experience that too. So the nations can be blessed. So that way, every tribe, tongue, and nation can be before the throne, before the Lamb. So... Simply put, to keep the way of the Lord is to repent from any way of Sodom. And remember, repentance isn't just a physical behavior. It's a mental, internal shift to say, I'm not going to think this way anymore because it's from my broken mindset. I'm going to fill it with the truth and the reality of what God says. Remember, the way of Sodom is oppression, cruel, cruelty, violence, perversion, sexuality, pride, greedy, um, not caring for other people. So let's break down this righteousness and justice. I'm going to get scholarly on you, but I, I totally looked it up because I don't know a lot, okay? Um, we're going to go through Hebrew words, okay? I, uh, I took a Hebrew class in college, and uh, my professor said, if you can't memorize the alphabet by day two, just drop it. I was like, I'll see ya. I'll see ya. I tried, but yeah, it, it is what it is. So there's, the, there's two words that are often found together with righteousness and justice, and they are, um, there's not vowels in the Hebrew, but um, it's pronounced sedek or sedekah, and it's translated to righteousness. And the, the simplest definition for the Hebrew version of righteousness is this. It's the standard by which things are measured by, okay? So whatever relationship you find yourself in, Whatever standard is set in that relationship, that's what you live by. It, it basically means that things do what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. Okay? You do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. It means you're doing right by the standard that is measured. And if God is the barometer, God sets the standard, God gets to choose what righteousness is. Okay? Righteousness is doing what you're supposed to do in any given circumstance or situation, or whatever relationship you find yourself in. Okay, another root word is sapat, and it's a legal term for a lawgiver between two parties to say who is guilty and who is innocent. And you, you sit in that seat between two parties to make things right. It's not biased. It's to make things right in any given situation based on the standard, and God gets to set that standard. So if there's a wrong situation, you intervene to make it right. These two words are married. Doing justice is righteousness. And a lot of times these, these two words are tied to mercy, grace, and love, which go figure because it's reflecting God's character. Okay, so in human terms, righteousness and justice are practicing righteousness by obeying God and treating people justly, defending the vulnerable, and taking care of those in need. Scripturally, widows and orphans. But that, if, if you look at Scripture, that was a barometer set because... That separated um, God's people from how other people were living. People weren't taking care of their widows and orphans. So that's a countercultural. In their Sodom, they were able to walk in the ways of God. In God's terms, these, these words mean God defends the poor and the weak. In his def all his defense, at least, to triumph, vindication, and abundance. And God provides justice by rewarding the just and punishing the wicked. Okay, We all know that at the end of times, God's going to bring judgment to earth. And I think so often when we look at that, we just look at it for the destruction that's going to happen to the wicked and evil things. But really, it's so much more than that. It's taking all the broken things and making them 
whole. It's taking the things that are messed up and making them perfect. So it's not just getting rid of the, of the horrific evil and, and the things like that, but it's, it's making things as they should be, back to the standard that God set before sin was brought into the world, okay? Righteousness and just, justice are not just theories or concepts. It's action to bring those out in the world, okay? God calls out the injustice of Sodom and Gomorrah to Abraham because he says there's suffering and oppression. He said there's cries for help, and that's what lead, leads him to go investigate what is going on on earth. And because of that, yes, he brings judgment, but he rescues and provides justice for those who are oppressed, so there's justice, but there's also an establishment because of God's intervention, okay? This isn't the first time God is moved by Christ for help. And the Israelites, when they're, when they're uh, enslaved in Egypt, they're crying for help. And the way that God responds to the cries to those um, outcries is the same way he responds to Abraham coming from Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? It's a call to action for those who are being oppressed against the oppressor, Okay? I believe there's two types of sins. There's active sin when you go blatantly against what God says not to do. But I believe there's also passive sin where you see something that can be done to make something right, but you sit idly by and just let it happen. I'm not saying go throw yourself in, in horrific situations, but have we become so numb to what's going on in the world that we expect everybody else to fight our battles? Or we get mad at whoever's fighting battles for whatever reason. Like, we have to have the heart of Jesus. If there's outcries, like, I'm not getting political. How can you help a person? How can you help people? All right? That's what we're called to do, is to take the wrong things and make them right. So, in your life, who do you see crying out around you? Where do you hear cries of help? And are you turning a blind eye? Are you finding ways that you can step in and intervene to do righteousness and justice? Okay, to wrap this up, I'm not going to say that because I'm a pastor. I'll say wrap up, then I'll go an extra 15 minutes. So what is God's desire? It's to bring blessing to the nations. It's to bring blessing to the nations just like he promised, how, promised Abraham. How will, the, how will he bring blessing to the nations? By a community existing in the world that is taught and teaches to live the way of the Lord in righteousness and justice, his church. And how will, a community, how will that community be established? Well, he established that through the covenant he made with Abraham to get the ball rolling, okay? We're all sons and daughters of Abraham, so let's just praise the Lord, or right arm, left arm, okay? Jesus comes on the scene, and he doesn't, he doesn't change things up when it comes to this. Okay, he taught, a he taught a message of repentance, turn away, okay, walk in faith to follow him and his example and to obey his teaching, okay, that promise still continues. The, the second part of the Great Commission, which I think is so often overlooked because we love to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so we're like baptism, 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 but then it's teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. We can't just, like, yes, like, salvation is the greatest thing that anybody can, can receive, but, like, it's frustrating when I see, like, churches that just, like, let's dunk them, let's dunk them, let's dunk them, and then what's next? Like, discipleship is next. Learning to, and, and teaching to walk in the ways of God. 
so that you see what it means to be set apart, to be holy, to practice righteousness and justice. So in your life, okay, is there anybody, whether they're your kids, whether it's an accountability buddy, remember that word? Maybe it's somebody that you can encourage and help them walk in God's ways. Or are you just surviving? Are you just getting by in life and you're letting all these opportunities of what is most important in life just fall along the wayside? I've shared this, I've shared this quote before um, in this platform, but I, th- I forget the guy. I think it was Brennan Manning, but he says that the single greatest cause, in the, and he said this in the 80s, by the way, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips but deny, them, but deny him by their lifestyle. So if you're walking in God's ways, okay, is it just up here or is it evident to the world so that way God can bring blessing to the nations? And it's not just being about, it's not about being moral pagans. It's not about just living morality, okay? It's about living in the moral state that God has for us because it reveals and shows his character and who he is and allows God to work in and through us to build his kingdom, okay? So in reality, if we don't walk in the ways of the Lord, which includes honesty, integrity, righteousness, and justice, we're hindering God from keeping his promise to Abraham and bringing blessing to the nations, okay? Jesus gives us a a, a good way to to implement this when he's talking to his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, be salt and light. Be salt and light in a world. Because that's, that's a contrast. Light, we live in a dark world. Salt, they didn't have freezers back then, so they would, if they had meat, they would take a ton of salt and put it over the meat so it would be preserved for a long time. Also, I think salt brings out the flavor in things. It enhances things. That's why McDonald's french fries are so good. Because without salt, they're just meh. Okay? Anybody put salt in chocolate milk? Maybe it was a Pittsburgh thing. People used to do that, okay? Try it. I don't know. might make things better, okay? But this idea of salt is with preserving, we're preserving this covenant. We're preserving this promise by living in the ways of God. We're allowing it to continue through generations to generations. And I want to encourage you and challenge you with being salt. If it brings out the goodness and the beauty of what God has established and built for us and what he has for us, all these awesome things, okay? Also, being an image bearer, like, you have the opportunity to be salt for people, to bring that out in them that they don't even realize that they have in them by walking in God's ways. So when you think about your life, are you being salt or are you just salty, But it's true. Are you being salt? Or are you just being salty? Are you responding to everything in your life, living as an exile? Are you proactively living your life as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? That you get to build his kingdom here. That you get to preserve this promise he made. That every, one day, every tribe, tongue, and nation will be before the throne, before the lamb. Okay? I think it's Nope, not even going to go down that road. Okay, thank you, Lord, for stopping me. Okay. Um, so what does this look like practically? How to step into our communities? Because it's about, it's about making Scottsdale thrive or wherever you guys live. So practically, just think of all the places that you can step in, volunteer, serve. Because where, where we live, there are social and structural norms that we get to go practice love in action, 
compassion, empathy, sympathy, conflict resolution, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Every person you come in contact with, every building you step into, you have an opportunity to walk in the ways of the Lord. Okay? You walk in the ways of the Lord. Let God be God. All right? You just be obedient and faithful to him. Okay? After the fall of man, God's leading the Israelites in his infinite wisdom. He gives them rules to live by because God ultimately knows what is best for his children. So walk in the ways of the Lord, trusting that God not only knows what's best, but wants what's best for you because ultimately he wants to bring blessing to the nations. God doesn't want to be separated from anybody. He's a gentleman. He lets them choose, but God wants everybody in his kingdom, okay? Philippians 2, 12 through 16 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Be salt and light, walk in God's ways. Who or how can you put yourself in somebody or something's path to walk in the ways of the Lord and allow God to bring blessing to the nations? Maybe it's an organization that does charity work. Maybe it's coaching a sports team. Maybe it's stepping into a neighbor's situation to help them find healing or hope. Maybe it's discipling somebody that's a new believer and helping them understand what it truly means to walk in the ways of the Lord. Whatever it is, you get to continue this covenant with Abraham by obeying the Lord, walking in his ways, and bringing out the goodness of God wherever you go. So do you, wanna, do you just want to survive through life? I mean, these people had 70 years in their worst nightmare, and God's like, set up camp. Let's go. Like, there's... there's always things going on in our lives. There's always excuses. There's always things we can complain about, but yet get the big picture. Like God has stuff for us each and every day. He's got people for us to love and impact. He's got people for us to serve. He's got people for us to bless. Why? Because he wants to bring blessing to the nations. What do I want you to do with this? Okay, we, one of the things we've been talking about is like having a practical application. So since we're talking about walking in God's ways, I think it'd be cool if we all got church tattoos that on one foot we put God's and the other foot we put ways so that we all look the same. I'm totally joking. I can see by your faces that that joke did not land well. Okay? I want you to think about, pray about, making a mission statement for yourself, husband and wife, family, whatever it is, okay? God has uniquely gifted and equipped you with specific gifts, talents, blessings, whatever it is that only you are equipped with to impact people in a way that only you can. But I think it's important to, to call those out and live in the reality of those. My wife and my family did this a number of years ago, so that way we stay, we stay committed to the mission under, under God's overarching umbrella of mission, of walking in his ways to bring blessing to the nations, but we, we kind of called out what we feel our spiritual gifts are, and we made a mission statement so that, we can, that way we can stay focused 
um, with the gifts and talents that God has given us. So I'm going to share mine. Um, so, like, if you want to think about it, but I think it'd be cool if, like, as a church, we would kind of come up with your, your personal or family mission statement, so that way it keeps you kind of focused on, on, on your mission, or what, how God has equipped you, blessed you. Okay, so for, for the fails, our family's anchored and driven to love God and love people by loving people where they're at, so we're going to unapologetically love anybody, Okay, regardless of what's going on in their life, what they look like, what they're dealing with, we want to love them exactly where they're at. Uh, the second one is we want to speak truth, life, and love, which is that, that is under the, the authority of Scripture and what God calls us to. So speaking truth, uh, the reality of God's truth over people, life, calling out the blessings that we see in people to encourage them, and obviously love. Uh, make, a safe, make our home a safe haven for all. We want to be a refuge. For people, uh, giving our time, talents, and treasures to serve the kingdom of God. So surrendering everything that we have uh, to our creator. Being faithful and seeking truth and prayer. So continuing the fundamentals of our faith, but then also constantly being a student um, as a follower of Jesus, as a mother, as a father, um, whatever that looks like. Being ever-growing, uh, never being satisfied with where we're at as, as Jesus followers, but knowing that we can always know God more. Um, living intentionally thrive, not survive, like the make the most of our days. Um, and then finally, loving ourselves for who God made us, knowing our true identity, and that we're image bearers of God himself. And um, I can say we don't do all these all the time. We're not good at a lot of these all the time, but it's a constant reminder that when we walk into our one living room that it's up there for us to kind of center ourselves and be reminded, man, God's got stuff for us every day. Like, what are we focusing on? Are we getting so self-absorbed on our kingdom that we're missing out on God's kingdom? So that's what I would encourage you to do. If you do make one, I think it'd be cool if you shared it with somebody, whether it's in your life group or uh, post it on Instagram. I think it'd be cool. Just uh, allow opportunities to, for people to ask questions so that way you have an opportunity to share who God is, what he's doing, and, and why you follow Jesus. All right? I'm going to pray, and then um, I think the band's going to come up and sing one more song. Lord, I pray that uh, you just remind us. You remind us just the calling you've put on our lives. And God, ultimately, the, you, you remind us of, of your big picture, of what your hope is, of what your mission is, of what your goal is, Father, and how we get to partner with you in that. We get to be participants in that. And Lord, I pray as we live in a world that's more like Sodom, um, God, that we would respond uh, like the people of Israel, that we would not be discouraged, but re regardless of what goes on in our culture, in our country, Father, remind us that we're, we're exiles. We're citizens of heaven before anything. And God, we get to bring your kingdom here and display it. So, Jesus, I pray that that would be our heartbeat, that we would grasp your mission and that we would live it out every single day. So, God, we would bring blessing to the nations and heaven would get more crowded. Let's pray for um, conviction for our church, and Lord, I pray that you would guide us into all truth and remind us who we are. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, 
and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. I want to thank you guys for coming this morning. Uh, if you have prayer for anything, take advantage of it. Like, prayer is a good thing. We have prayer partners right over there. And um, I want to encourage you that, hey, uh, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. So guess what? We're probably going to sin this week, right? Yup. But as long as we focus on loving God and loving people, we're going to get a lot right. So just make sure your heart, your focus, your mindset, keep your eyes fixed on him. Let God be God. Just be faithful and walk in God's ways. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for coming. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.